to Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. If you're like me and you've ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here, whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your professional life or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, or somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest is an extraordinary Colorado-based commercial branded content and film director. Her journey in storytelling began with her nomadic childhood, which cultivated her into a highly agile creator with an insatiable curiosity about human behavior. She possesses a lifelong wanderlust and is deeply passionate about championing diverse communities, cultures, and causes. With a degree in psychology and communication and experience as a certified substance abuse therapist, her ability to genuinely connect with people is elevated to another level. Known for her intimate, vibrant, and human approach, our guest seamlessly blends her roots in docu-style storytelling with a knack for working with professional talent. Her onset style has been described as calm, kind, inclusive, and collaborative, creating an environment where everyone can flourish and contribute their best. But that's just the tip of her iceberg. Her extensive background as a graphic designer, creative director, and executive producer in various industries has shaped her into a versatile director capable of producing captivating content across sectors as such as finance, hospitality, food and beverage, tech, and sports. However, her true expertise and passion lies in healthcare, pharma, and wellness spaces. It's no wonder she's been chosen to direct celebrities and influencers like U.S. soccer phenoms Alex Morgan and Naomi Gurma, novelist and Food Network star Katie Lee Beagle, comedian Eric Andre, and direct the likes of sports legends Charles Barkley. Beyond her remarkable accomplishments, today's guest is a true ally and activist for diversity, equity, and inclusion. She is dedicated to creating positive change in the media landscape, not just advocating for representation in front of, but also behind the lens, and serving as an industry mentor and volunteering with organizations like Medicine Horse and Denver Basic Income Project to lead storytelling strategy and marketing. Welcome, Andrea Norgren. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. And I've got to say, digging into and getting prepped for our conversation today, the work you have done is so beautiful. I I watched a bunch of the videos and and, um, the bits and pieces from your website, which we'll we'll share at the end. And your eye and your ability to capture the essence of people, I've got to say, is just, it's it's amazing. As someone in the marketing and storytelling and content space, it's it's something you don't see often. So, uh, Amazing, really amazing. Thank you. That's so so kind of you. I will have to say, like, it's always a team sport. <laughs> the things that I do, I do with a great team and crew, um, and I'm very appreciative of them. So, but thank you so much for your your for taking the time to watch. Oh, of course. So, I mean, those were literally the high, highlight reels. Can you tell our audience a little bit about more about what you do? Sure. Yes. Um, currently I am uh, a director, so I direct, as you said, commercial and branded content. And then I'm also a producer. Um, so I do a variety of different things in that world. Sometimes I produce commercials, sometimes, um, I produce films, shorts and features, and that's really where I'm trying to focus my producing, um, so that I can keep directing a priority. Directing is my, my love. And that's where I'm trying to focus all my energies right now. And then I have a uh, production company um, that just fields a variety of different kinds of projects that I care about. <laughs> nice. And maybe you can just, for my own edification, difference between director and producer, because I've, I've always been curious. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think depending on the project, depending on the scope of the project, sometimes that's a little bit blurry. I've been a director and producer on a project. 
Um, but then on the other projects, it's a very clear delineation. So when I'm directing um, something, uh, usually I'm put up in a in a in a bid or a triple bid, or perhaps I get it. Uh, I don't have to bid for it. Maybe it comes through a relationship. Um, so I'm responsible for taking the vision of the creatives who came up with the concept and um, elevating it and evolving it with them to bring it to life in in video. So I work on a treatment. I work, I you know, just collaborate with them on uh, ideas. We do casting. We do all kinds of prep. I'm obsessed with prep, um, crewing up and, and making a plan on how we're going to shoot something and what it's going to look like in the in the edit and and just when it gets through post production out into the world, and then producing is a whole other uh, whole other world. Um, that is uh, for me at least. It's it's creative producing as well. It's not just logistical, um, but I can do everything from you know coming up with an. Uh, um, a project idea and pitching it to uh, budgeting, um, crewing, managing the crew, um, basically shepherding the entire project through through production um, into post. So a little bit more on the logistical side, uh, but still for me, like I said, a lot of creative elements to what I do, especially in the film uh, world and the shorts and features. That's a lot of development, um, figuring out how to get a film made. Thank you very much for that. Now I feel much more <laughs> informed about the difference when I see the, the credits rolling. So as our audience knows, I always start our conversations off with four core questions. So if you're ready to go, we'll dig into those. Yeah, absolutely. So what was the first career you wanted to do, you remember wanting to do when you grew up? Um, I remember wanting to be a spy or a fighter pilot. <laughs> I thought both seemed terribly badass and like cool, but then I guess later I realized they might involve killing people and that wasn't very, very exciting to me. But I guess just, it just seemed like a very cool um, role to have, I guess. <laughs> okay. So you are my first spy. Uh, that was, that's, this is the first time I've had a spy as a wannabe and that is badass. And I, I kind of, you know, it, it talks to your, your personality, even as a young person that the thought of killing somebody, uh, not in your wheelhouse. So good on you. <laughs> yeah. I just really loved a man from uncle and, you know, James Bond and all that, that whole, that whole genre, like the stories, uh, more so than what they were actually doing in the world. Right. <laughs> Who was the first big influencer on your life that you can remember? Um, I'm going to break all the rules. I have two. Like first, my mom. My mom uh, is definitely my my all time hero. She was a nurse for sixty oh gosh sixty five years. I think she she spent her entire career um, helping and taking care of people, and she was a hospice nurse too. So that's like ultimate. Um, and then fictionally, I. I think Nancy Drew, because she was just out there solving crimes. And I, re I read every single book growing up uh, voraciously until I transitioned into Agatha Christie's. But I remember Nancy Drew being like, wow, she's, yeah, she's smart. And she's just solving crimes. <laughs> That's amazing. My best friend growing up, who is still my best friend today, and she was a Nancy Drew fanatic. So, of course, I had to say, well, no, Hardy Boys are better. So. <laughs> Um, and then crossovers, right? So, but Nancy Drew, absolutely for for those of you um, 
in the younger sector of my audience, you might want to look her up because she was she was absolutely badass and she doesn't kill anybody. So that's that's a good thing. <laughs> right. No, she was not a killer. <laughs> yeah. Is there a song that epitomizes your career path or maybe one that you're really getting connected with now or, or maybe one that's your go to, you know, as you're directing or, or producing or getting into the swing of those? Oh, my God. I love this question. It, it's so hard for me to answer because I love music. My whole family's mu- musicians. Um, and I love so many different types of music. Um, it would be hard to say my favorite artist or my favorite song or even favorite album. So it's kind of all over the place. For this question, I tried to crowdsource it and ask some friends. I got some nice. fun answers. Love it. Like one was Sledgehammer, which <laughs> I love. The other was uh, Beyonce, who run the world, girls. Um, but I, I gave it some thought and I don't know why moment in time, I feel like pink, get the party, get this party started. I feel like that's like a hype song of just going in bold and, and with joy and having a great time. (laughs) Excellent. Have you seen her in concert? I haven't seen her in concert, but I'm pretty obsessed with her Grammy glitter in the air performance. I, can't stop watching it even to this day. I think it's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Absolutely. Uh, could not agree with you more. You need to see her in concert. I saw her last year. It was one of those things that tick off my my bucket list. One of hands down the best. And I'm music obsessed. So I go to concerts all the time. Um, that is where my money went as a, as a teenager into my 20s. And then, you know, I, I've recently started reliving my misspent youth, as I say to, to some of my friends. And she hands down one of the top five concerts I have ever seen in my life. Oh, my God. I'm totally taking your advice. I love pink. And I think she's um, unapologetically pink. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan. So... I will get that ticket. I promise you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let me know if you need a co-pilot. Happy to join you wherever you go. That is a plan. (laughs) All right. Are there, what are the three words you'd use to describe you and or your career? Inclusive would be one. Um, I think compassionate. I really care about people and championing people. And then I think maybe agile. Like I feel like I'm just going to like figure out how to survive <laughs> no matter what. We need to be agile these days. Everything is changing so quickly, um, whether it's in real, you know, work-wise or personal-wise, there's always something, right? So I, being agile, being able to sort of go with the flow and, and change as you need to is, I think, something that is undervalued um, and undershared uh, and, and really taught. You know, I think that's one thing that kids you know, kids being all ages from, you know, small to into to university, if they were taught how to bend more to not be so set in their ways, I think they would all benefit immensely. Yeah. I mean, if there's one thing we know about life and this, and certainly like the industry that I'm in, you're in is it's not going to stay the same, you know, and being able to change and grow and evolve is just to me, one of the most critical skills you can have. Yeah. Absolutely. So tell me how you got into where you are today. Is it, you know, was you, you mentioned wanting to be Nancy Drew. So this is a little bit of a departure from that, I would say. And, and you know, did you did you take film or creative in, at university? Was it, you know, how how did you end up 
being at the top of your game in, in this particular very uber competitive space? Um, yeah, I honestly didn't even know film was a career option. I don't know that it ever really even crossed my mind until 15 years ago. Um, as a child, I was always, I was always drawing, um, writing scripts and, and just making my friends play them out, but never thought of it as a career. I just wanted to make up stories. Um, so I, yeah, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was younger. I was kind of just going, I, I moved a lot when I was little. Like I never lived anywhere more than two years until I was an adult. So a lot of my world was just, okay, we're moving to this state. We're moving to this city. We're meeting all new friends. We're starting over. And so um, I just went with it, I guess. I think I grew into, like I was an artist and a dancer in high school and, and in college. Um, in college, I was just talking to somebody yesterday about how can any 17-year-old going off to college know, like, wh what college should I go to? What major? This huge financial and career decision. And I really had no clue. Um, I knew that I loved the arts and I loved stories and I loved and was super curious about people and like why people do the things that they do. So I sort of, um, I just got a double major in communications and psychology, basically to cover myself, like figuring out like what I should do in the future. Um, so I started out as a graphic designer. Um, and then pretty quickly, like almost immediately right after I graduated college, um, I had wanted to go to the Peace Corps, um, but the Peace Corps wouldn't take married couples, um, cause I got married right after college, they wouldn't take married couples unless they'd been married. I think it was a year or two years and we were, we were not married, but a month. So we found a different organization. And when I say find, we didn't have the internet back then. So we like went to the library and had to find organizations. So we found a different organization to, to basically go and volunteer for a year. And that's how I found my way into, kind of transitioning my previous work, like volunteering at um, uh, domestic violence uh, shelters and things like that into, oh, here is, I, I was actually placed in this volunteer setting and in a inpatient alcohol rehab. So um, got to sort of be immersed in that world um, and just stuck with it. I ended up getting certified as a substance abuse counselor, and I did that for five years in New York and in Chicago. And then uh, after five years, I had a baby, and I realized, I think I want to transition. I want to go back to designing and you know, art, uh, advertising, essentially. And that's when I made a career switch, and I haven't looked back. I just I, I went into going back to graphic design. Nice. Yeah. Kids will do that to you, right? <laughs> yep. Reevaluate your life. <laughs> exactly. Which, you know, most of the time that's a good thing. Sometimes you're like, no. Oh. So it's interesting. I mean, that is, that's a big jump from going and doing, you know, that really important work of, of rehab and taxing emotionally, just mentally, that's super difficult then to, to flip that back into that creative, very, non-tangential, right? It's, it's, it's not something you can necessarily touch and see and, and whatnot. There's, there's so much, you've got to break out a whole new part of your world. So was there 
a defining moment decision other than than maybe having having your child that really significantly impacted the trajectory of your career and and anchored it into this this new thing and and moving towards the eventual the production the producer and, and director role? I think that you know realization that I needed to nurture my creative self too. Like I really, really was passionate about helping people in any way I can. Um, but I also realized like, I, I want to be creating. I want, and that was, that was part of that decision as well. And ironically, before I talk about the other kind of defining moment, um, I feel like the two paths are not wildly different. You know, they're both so human and story based, you know, to me, I think that my experience spending time in the world of, of counseling and, and working with people on their own narratives and, and how they want to navigate their lives and, and charter their lives forward really has made a huge difference in my uh, work as a director and a producer and my ability to connect with people and, and help tell their stories. So to me, there's a lot of synergy there and I'm, I feel like very thankful for that. Up until I spent my whole career, you know, employed either brand side or in agencies until about two and a half years ago, which was a culmination when I, in 2013, I started working with the 3% movement and my really cherished friend, Kat Gordon, went to one of the first conferences that she had, the 3% conference, and Cindy Gallup was speaking. Cindy Gallup is a, is a, is a I'd love to call her a friend as well as just a hero of mine. Um, and I remember on stage, she was, um, saying, you know, you are the best, most trusted employer you will ever have. You know, we, we have a false sense of being employed is safe and we have a paycheck to look forward to and all that. But in reality, yourself, right? Yourself is the, is the, is the, the one thing that you know that you can count on. And so right after that, I went out and started an LLC (laughs) and I didn't, you know, leave my job or anything like that uh, yet. But um, starting that LLC was another defining moment of I can be the entrepreneur that I think that I built to be. Just wasn't quite sure what that would be yet. Um, But it prepared me for the for the future and and certainly the present and, and hopefully the future. I love when you have that experience of hearing someone speak and not going in with any kind of expectations and it literally changing your life, where the penny drops, something resonates, whatever they said in this case, whatever Cindy said, where you went, oh my gosh, 100%. And you acted on it. And I think that's one of the things that that I've heard through these conversations that I've had with, with the women on my show is it's that willingness to listen to the inner voice. And so again, you know, you talking about, and I hadn't thought about it. So thank you for pointing out the fact that those two paths aren't wildly different, that they are human and story-based and seeing that thread and then in making the investment in yourself and the belief in yourself, which again is, I think the most important thing anybody can do is, is truly give themselves that credit. And I mean, look at what's happened and the success that you've had. So tell me a little bit more about what your current role looks like. So you talked about, you know, you worked for others for most of your career. This working for yourself is a relatively newer thing. What has changed? What are the challenges, compromises? What looks different today than what it did before? Yeah, I I love it. If I had a billion dollars, I would be doing exactly what I'm doing right now. I love directing. I love collaborating with other what creatives and strategists and crew. Uh, 
and I love and I love producing and filmmaking. So all of that um, ideating and bringing an idea into the world, um, it's exactly where I want to be. Again, going back, I, I didn't even know it was a career option. You know, uh, I was fortunate in uh, 2008 for somebody to say, you know, instead of just directing the photography on this project, would you like to do an interview? And I said, sure. Uh, and it just opened up a whole world of, of producing and directing for me that I didn't even know was possible. So I spend my days, it's very, it's all over the place. It could be, um, creating, uh, a pitch, uh, and pitching, it could be collaborating with people that have brought me in to pitch something. It could be directing, prepping, um, producing, fundraising, um, supervising post. Like it, the variety is uh, delightful. I love it all. So, so you talk about you talk about fundraising. Is that to fund projects for others? Is that you know? Because that's not something typically that we think about, right? When we're, you know, when we hear somebody's a producer or a director, they think, okay, I've been hired. But it sounds as though you're like some of them. You're you're starting from ground up. Yeah, for the films, I am um, for sure. And then I'm hoping to do that with some branded content. And excuse me, I'm hoping to do that with some branded content and brand films this year. But largely, yeah, with directing, um, I'm hired um, to do that. So it's a funded project. Um, for producing, producing films, not always, you know, coming up with, with the money, um, to do that, um, is a whole different thing. And it's very, very difficult. I've learned a lot in the past two years. I still don't know how everybody funds their films where they, maybe I, it's probably just having a really rich friend, (laughs) but it's, it's definitely one of the, one of the challenges I think of what I do, like creatively, uh, community, ideas, strategy, all that uh, I I love. I think most of the challenges I face are money and gatekeeping. Um, everything else is cake. So it's just really about finding money for projects, uh, not just my own, but for other people, you know, how to make people's dreams come true. And then the gatekeeping of just the world of, of distribution and um, even, you know, yeah, just trying to figure out how to get work out into the world and distributed, um, as well as funded is it's, it's a mystery. (laughs) Well, mysteries are good sometimes, right? Problem solving is it keeps our brain moving and thinking in new ways. So you mentioned earlier that you're obsessed with preparation. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you're a very organized, probably have calendars and checklists and, and whatnot. Do you find sometimes that that clashes with your creative side, that one is trying to rule the other when the other one should be the one taking charge? Or have you found the balance? And if you have, please share with me. (laughs) I love this question because that is exactly what I've been trying to do for the past two and a half years and going forward. It is so easy for me to produce and to, to, oh yeah, spreadsheets, budgets, hundred Chrome tabs, emails, phone calls. I I mean, I love it. That's the producer world, right? And it's very intoxicating. I love it. But I'm very aware that I need to balance that with making space for myself as a creator, as a director, as a writer and ideator and not let that sort of collapse, you know, that world just sort of collapse under the weight of the producer, but really, really make space 
and nurture that part of of myself. So that's something that I'm I committed to doing and and commit daily, frankly. And maybe you can talk a little bit more about that. So you talk about um, having to commit and and make it a part of who you are. Is there something that you have found that helps you do that? Do you, are you a, you know, I live and die by my, my outlook as well as I still keep a hand, like a a book there where I write my to-do list. And if I have an idea or, or something, and so that I can go back to it, because I still love that, that pen to paper, you know, with things coming into play, new technologies and are you, do you find you're a blend of new school and old school? So are you leveraging things like generative AI and some of the, the new organization tools where it absolutely helps you, you know, coordinate your day? Or do you lean more to the old school stuff where, you know, you mentioned that you loved writing and you were drawing and creative as a kid. Do you, do you go back to that space when you're trying to pull out that creative side? Oh, that's, that's, I love, I love your thinking and your questions are so good. Um, So I'm an old school plus new school. I like to be an early adopter of a lot of things. I'm super curious and, and want to like voraciously explore all of the new stuff. So in terms of AI, I'm using it for research and, you know, initial structural writing, I guess you would call it. But I also really, really believe in, in human creativity and, uh, not replacing that. My God, why would we want to replace that? So, um, exploring what that world looks like definitely is on, is on my table from a, from a old school standpoint, I, I make a paper list of to-do items every day. I love pen to paper and it's important to me literally to write out things and to feel that and to visually see the writing, something about that just encodes in my brain. And so I try to do that, whether when that's a list, right? Here's what Mm -hmm. I got accomplished today. But I try to do that with writing as well, whether that's journaling or, you know, drawing, you know, it's really important to me to keep those very organic artist ways, if you will, um, and not let them just be get eaten up completely by you know, open the laptop, get into a document. So. (laughs) Yeah, I, I feel very much the same way growing up and, or my career growing up through technology. Of course, I lean heavily into tech and constantly digging and it's a part of my day, but I do find, you know, whether it's the to-do list, whether it's creating a mind map, whether it's the grocery list, uh, once you put, for me, once I put that pen to paper it's in my head and I can recall it. I can bring it back when I need to. Whereas sometimes with the note taking, it's, it doesn't always stick. It's almost this surface level where it's not your, I don't process it as deeply as if I have that tactile pen to paper. So I, I'm always curious to hear how others, particularly creatives, because it's, it's a part of my life that I'm trying to tap into deeper uh, and more often as I get older and, and start looking at, at different things and, and where I want to go next and whatnot. And it's definitely um, a space that I'm working on to develop. So I'm always, you know, to those who are deeply creative, I'm always looking for the hints and tips and tricks. So yeah. <laughs> that you use a balance of both. Yeah. Two, two more tricks if I can. Is sure, please. I guess going back to the pen, pencil or pen to paper is I, um, I sometimes put it in my left hand because I think I was born left-handed and I'm, I'm 
something happened. Maybe the world made me right-handed, but I sometimes put it in my left hand and force myself to do things like that, you know, like draw or write. I think it activates your brain differently. Same thing if I'm drawing something, I might turn it upside down and draw it. It's just, I don't know. There's something about like rewiring the brain or, or just challenging yourself to not do the status quo and rely on the way we always do something. I love that. You are the first person other than myself who I think I was born left-handed too, because I do everything but right with my yeah. left hand. Yeah. When I look through a camera, it's my left eye. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so funny. Whereas I have one of, one of my, are, my, my Oh yeah, left. me too. Yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> left is my power side. That's all the tattoos that wow. the, the power is over here. <laughs> That's so, I've never met anybody else who has said that. I have one friend who is, she's a lefty, but she does everything with her right hand, everything else with her right hand. So we're like the, the opposite of each other, but that's so cool. Look at that kindred spirit. Awesome. <laughs> so I know you said earlier that, you know, if somebody gave you a billion dollars, you'd still be doing the same thing. But if you weren't in this creative director producer space where, you know, what is Andrea's alter ego where you know, money, environment, all that doesn't matter. If, if, if you were doing something else, would you be the spy? Would you be the non-killing spy? Nancy? <laughs> the non-killing spy. What good are they? Um, I, I honestly, I would probably be on a horse and be a farmer. <laughs> I want to have like one Scottish Highland cow, two goats, some sheep, four horses, a garden, and just be that. Yeah. That's what I want. <laughs> Love it. So I am just back from Glasgow last week. Um, and those cows, oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know if you've been to Scotland and seen them out in their natural habitat. Although I know they have them in North America. So yes, people I know, they're not just in Scotland. But something about seeing as you know, the, the Scottish Highland cows in Scotland, in the Highlands, Mm. And there were calves, so there were the itty bitty baby ones. Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed. Yeah, actually, I, I'm I, glad you said that because if it wasn't farmer, I, it actually might also be like travel blogger. I love to travel. I want to go to Scotland, so thank you for reminding me. I would anything that I could do to travel the world that would be amazing. A traveling farmer, I guess those don't really. Well, they do actually. So there are where you can actually go similar how you can trade everything, right? You can go and borrow someone's car. You can go live in their house. You can, all of these things, you can actually go and work on farms around the what? world. Absolutely. Um, I will send you the link. I'll put it into the show notes 100% because I too love to travel. And it's so funny you say travel blogger because I don't know, 2010, um, I did my first blog and one, I joked with my husband, I said, wouldn't it be cool if I could travel and get paid to blog? And it wasn't really a thing yet then, right? It wasn't, you know, people weren't getting sponsors. They weren't, you know, they weren't monetizing it. And then he brought it up like, you know, just a few years ago, cause we were planning a trip and he was looking at a car. He's like, yeah, I guess I should have really encouraged you to do that, right? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, a little late now, buddy. Thanks. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Yes, send me that link. That's going to be my like fourth or fifth career. <laughs> Brilliant, absolutely. So for you've already given us so much great guidance, Andrea, and, and tips and tricks, and and you know, for me, definitely 
some ways I'm going to start cultivating my creative side. But, you know, for our listeners, maybe particularly the women in our audience, what would be your best piece of advice on, you know, life, career, success, happiness, anything really you'd like to share? I have a couple. Um, sure. First, first and foremost, bet on yourself. Uh, invest in yourself. I think you said that earlier, investing in yourself. And I I firmly, firmly encourage that. Um, and it, and just even saying it like makes me so excited to, to think about. Um, so that would be number one. I think the others would be um, bring people up the ladder with you um, when you have success. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Ava DuVernay and her um, it's in my email signature. If your dream only includes you, it's too small. So bringing people up the ladder with you is really important to, to me. Um, surround yourself with champions in, in that people that champion you champion others, um, and hype you, um, step up and in, even if you don't think you're ready. And I think, yeah, don't make yourself small. I like that. Don't make yourself small. So amazing. I mean, I already mentioned uh, your website, uh, andreanorgren.com. Um, where else can our audiences find you? I am on Instagram. Maybe maybe I'm on Instagram a little too much. I don't know, but I really, <laughs> I really love Instagram. So that's a Nordgren where I'm usually at. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, this conversation so inspiring how you have found balance between the creative and the practical, something that so many of us try and find and bring both into our worlds. It sounds like you've done an amazing job of that. And to my audience, again, thank you for listening to Uncharted Journeys with me, your host, Kathy McKnight. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Andrea and how hearing about how betting on yourself and investing in yourself can truly bring you success, not only from a career perspective, but also life and happiness. And by helping raise others through that, which you things that you love will only raise you up as well. If you're keen to hear more amazing stories from amazing women, you can head over to unchartedjourneys.net and listen to some of the other episodes. You can also sign up for our email list as well as check out the links and resources in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. And until then, enjoy the journey.